Hey guys, welcome to family, welcome to spring in Cleveland. It's the time of year when people like me have uh, uneven sunburns. <laughs> you just never know when it's coming. Let's uh, check out this quick video before I talk from Phil Strout, who's the national director of the vineyard. One of the sayings that you'll hear all over the vineyard is everybody gets to play. And it's, be, it's become a distinctive. I mean, it's one of those things where people ask me, Phil, well, tell me something that's distinctive about the vineyard. And I say, well, everybody gets to play. Well, that's a phrase that probably coined by John. I, I don't really know the origin of it, but that would be my guess, except that I think Jesus introduced the idea in one of his statements to the disciples because he said this to one of the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, we often uh, use that phrase like, follow me and I'll make you be fishes of men. Like, no, uh, it's just, hey, you know, come on, and I'm going to teach you how to do this. But I think he's, I, I, let, me, let me change how it's said. Uh, and it says, follow me and I will make you be fishes of men. And, in other words, we could do the same thing with everybody gets to play. So we could hear that like, hey, everyone gets to play. Or we could hear that everyone gets to play. And that's not just like permission, it's a mandate. Now here's Phil's take on this. Here's Phil's take on one of the vineyard distinctives. Everyone gets to play, play is not just an invitation and a cool little statement of inclusivity. It's actually a mandate that the church only operates well when everybody brings what they have to the table. And leaders have to make sure that, that we actually have systems in our churches that actually give place to that where everyone does actually have a way to contribute to the good of the whole. So everyone gets to play is sort of used as just inclusive. I, I almost think it's a little bit of a mandate, and I like it, so I use it a lot, but I, I've often uh, got a chuckle when I, when I change the emphasis on how it is said. So it goes from inclusivity to a mandate of, yes, everyone's welcome, and everyone can play. I like it that it's a distinctive. To be honest with you, though, it's sad that it's a distinctive of the vineyard. And I'm sure that more, more, you know, broader and broader across the church, because really this is the only way the body of Christ works. I mean, that is, that is why the Lord gave apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints. So that was really, that is the New Testament understanding of body life. We've just, I like it that we used a phrase, um, and made it a simple thing, but it's actually one of the profound distinctives of the vineyard. Everyone gets to play. And uh, I think, if you think back with me to when you're a kid, you, you know that most of us grew up in a time where it's like given, like, oh, everyone gets to play. You know, you're in t-ball and everyone bats no matter what. Every time, and it's like it's okay. You just all you just all go up there. You're on a little sports team. The minutes are divided up evenly. You know you're participating in something in school, and everybody gives their answers. And um, but then I don't know if this happened for you guys. Maybe you could think back with me to a moment when all of a sudden you realized that in some area of life everybody doesn't get to play anymore you're on a team and there's like a tryout and you miss it. Or, you know, in, in high school, if you sign up for the team and you're not good, you just sit on the bench. You don't get to share the minutes with everybody else. Or 
I'm trying to think of a non-athletic example. I was in sports a lot. But you guys get what I mean? At some point, there's a time, you know, maybe if you're, there's a dance coming up and you're not one of the popular ones, maybe you don't get invited. It's like, oh, everyone doesn't get to play. And it starts to sink into your mind like that. And if we're not careful, you could start to think that God's kingdom is like that where maybe only people that are good or like cool or have some uh, amazing skills get to play in the kingdom. But I'm, uh, I'm here to tell you today uh, maybe a, an underappreciated and understated part of the good news, and that is that the kingdom of God is nothing like high school. And it's really nothing like middle school, I'll tell you what. All right. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about today. Everybody gets to play. If you guys would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to read a section of scripture that speaks to this and just go through it and pull out points for you as we think about how you can play and what it means for that, that mandate that Phil was talking about in the video. As you guys are going there, let me just pray and invite the Lord. So, Father, I I welcome you. Please speak through the words that I'm going to say today. God, we want to hear your voice and your heart. I want this to be about you. I want people to leave saying, how great is this God? So, for for your glory, show us more, teach us about your kingdom, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to take it by little chunks, okay? And see what God has to say about everybody gets to play. So in verse 12, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he's talking about, he begins by talking about the human body. He's painting a picture. So verse 12 says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So pretty self-explanatory. All your parts are connected, your fingers, your toes, your hair. It's all part of your body. I think we all understand that. So now he's going to move on. So it is with Christ. Like, okay, Christ was also a man. All of his parts were also connected. I get that. But he's actually saying the kingdom of God. So it is with the kingdom of God. Christ's kingdom. The body of Christ is another way that the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. And that's where everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to play in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. So the way that all the parts of your body are connected, and though they're different, they make one whole, that's how it is with the body of Jesus, which is the church. And what he gives for that in verse 13 as the proof, he said, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to drink. I love how he just levels the playing field. Do you guys hear that? The Holy Spirit 
there, he's saying, is the great leveler. That's what sets us all on the same plane. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And so he's, he's our sustenance. It says we've been given the Holy Spirit to drink. We can't survive without him, and none of us are able to survive without him any more than any others. It's pretty cool that all the things that we divide ourselves by just fade away when we think about, as Christians, we all have the same spirit. And because we all have the same spirit, there's no room for exclusion in God's kingdom. Does anybody have a different Holy Spirit? Hmm. He even addresses some of the issues that were in his time and they're, they're still in our time. He says, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek. Well, that was addressing, that was what racism looked like in Paul's day. He said, there's no room for racism in God's kingdom. I should go without saying that there's no room for racism in the church. Everyone has the same Holy Spirit. Just like it should go without saying that it's not good to put a racist in our highest office, but that's a different message. Everyone has the same Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter your race. That had to do with customs, just like it does now. People of different races have different cultures and customs, but they have the same Holy Spirit. I was at a vineyard church in India, I was at, I've been at a vineyard church in Brazil, and they do things like really different. There's people clapping all the time. There, it's just it's just so different culturally. But when they start to pray, it's like I'm home here. You guys ever felt that? The Holy Spirit is the same no matter where you go, no matter what color or size or shape the person is that is part of the body with you. There's no room for exclusion. Also, uh, do kids get a junior Holy Spirit? (laughs) Same Holy Spirit. Easy to push them to the side and say, oh, you're not ready yet. Maybe you don't have the maturity that you need. But, hey, if they're believers, they have accepted Jesus. They have the same Holy Spirit in them. Same Holy Spirit. And from... You know, from 6 to 76 to 106, it's, it's the same Holy Spirit. There's no room for discrimination based on age in God's kingdom either. He talks about in the verse 2, slave or free. I mean, we, we got rid of slavery in America, but, you know, there's still people that are in the bondage of poverty. Human trafficking, you don't think there's still slaves around that need our attention? God can put his spirit into a poor person as just as well as a rich person. It doesn't make any difference. And all the things that, just anything that you can think of that might be a point of exclusion, God can put his spirit into a nerd like me or the coolest guy on the block. It doesn't matter. It's like the, there, it, it just can't be said enough. It, it, it feels like it should go without saying. We have to say it. We can't exclude people. Man, other churches might not do things the way we do. They might have some wacky doctrine. But if they really believe in Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit. And we can work together and we can learn together. 
We might have something to teach them. They might have something to teach us. There's no room for exclusion and division. Maybe this is jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but Jesus said that one of the ways that the world would know that he was who he said he was and that we're his disciples would be that we walk in unity together. And maybe if the world is forgetting who Jesus is, it's because the church needs to come together and stop excluding people that have the same Holy Spirit. It's convicting to me because I, I'm, I tend to be a judge in my heart, you know? We get raised in a culture of exclusion. It's so easy to do. But in God's kingdom, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can transcend all of that and be a light that's different. You guys want that? I do. That's a dream of mine. Hmm. What if Cleveland was united to serve God, guys? Just the one city, man. What if that happened? That would be so amazing. Continuing on in the verse, uh, verse 14. Still talking about the body of Christ. He says, now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. So if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love the way that pictures can make things clear. Because it's easy to think like, oh, I want to be like such and such person. And we can all look to people who maybe like are in the spotlight and be like, I want to have that gift. Well, it would be silly for the whole body to be one part. As one uh, a comedian said, he's like, why, why do we call it? Corn on the cob, you know, that's how it comes like that. That's corn. All the rest of the corn should be corn off the cob. (laughs) It's like, if you saw my leg hopping down the street, you wouldn't be like, hey, Ben. And then you saw all of me. He's like, hey, that's Ben altogether. (laughs) No, the whole body has many parts. It has to have it like that. There's no way around it. And... It's just the same to think that every person in the church, in the Holy Spirit, would have all the same functions. That doesn't make sense. The church would be like one big leg hopping around. That picture is even more bizarre when I say it out loud than I thought. (laughs) We all have the same spirit, but he works in us in different ways. We have different functions. But we're all part of the body. Now, It's important for me to say at this point, like, you might not think that you have a spiritual gift or a spiritual purpose, but if you are in the body of Christ, it's saying here that you do. You're part of it. You might not know what it is yet. You might be looking for what that purpose is, but it's saying here you you have something to offer. It's not going to be what the person next to you has to offer 
Although we don't, we want to stay away from thinking that all of us are such special little snowflakes that it's not going to be anything like every, anyone else's. You might be something like somebody else's, but it's like your unique gift and call is part of the body and it has something to do for the blessing of the church. Do you guys know that? Every single one of you, whether you feel like it or not. And that's really exciting. It's amazing that we all get to play and that we don't have to be each other, but we have to pursue God and find out who he made us to be and what part we have. Now let me just say this. The fact that we're all part of the same body, but we have different functions, means there's no room for comparison in God's kingdom. Do you guys get that? You ever compare yourself to other people? It's actually, it's irrelevant. How well other people are doing at like fulfilling their purpose and their calling has nothing to do with how well you're doing because your calling is not the same as theirs. Again, it could be similar, and it's not like we can't learn from people, but if you, there's, there's just no point in comparing your mission to somebody else's and being like, well, I'm, how am I doing based on someone else's doing? It'll never get you anywhere. I promise. Take it from somebody who spent a lot of time comparing. It never got me one inch further. You know, the kingdom, uh, if you're in, like, if you're an engineer maybe or if you're in hard classes in college, you're familiar with a bell curve. Like, your worth in the kingdom is just relative to how well other people are doing. That's not even close. There's no bell curve in the kingdom. <laughs> not like, you know, 10% of the people are going to get an A, 10% are going to fail, and the rest are going to... No, nothing like that. The, that, that comparison model, we learn that from the world, and it has nothing to do with the culture of the kingdom. Let me just say it one more time. There's no place for comparison in God's kingdom. Don't do it to yourself, and don't do it to other people. We all get to play, and it's because of the Spirit in us individually. It's not because of the Spirit in anyone else. But when we're all the parts are working together, that's when really cool stuff begins to happen. Doesn't always, it doesn't always quite go easily, though. And, and Paul is on that. He, if we keep on reading in verse 21, and Paul's like anticipating some of the problems that come up when different parts are connected to each other in one body. Because sometimes the parts can only see like what they're doing. You know? It's easy for us to lose sight of the whole. It's important for us not to compare each other, but it's also important for us to look at the whole and think about the entire mission of God. It's like there's nuance in this thing that is really important for us to get. And Paul is going to talk about a little bit some of the ways that this can go wrong. So verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You ever uh, 
seen a church or been part of a Christian situation where somebody was like, oh, we don't really need you. It can happen. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. (laughs) That kind of turns things on its head, right? You know, in every other culture and place, the person on the stage gets this special treatment. And the church is saying, hey, the people that are unpresentable get the special treatment. The kingdom doesn't rest on special people. It rests on weak people, sometimes by people that we wouldn't even like want to show off. You know, you know what happens when uh, parts of the body fight each other? What happens when one part gets too big and starts taking over and pushing out the rest? You know that's what cancer does, right? What happens when parts turn on each other and start tearing each other down? That's what AIDS does, you know? These are diseases in the body. They're diseases in God's body, too. There's no place for pride in God's kingdom. If all the gifts come from the Holy Spirit, you didn't really even have any say in which ones you got. <laughs> we, we have to have a culture. We need a culture in the church that begins to value all the gifts of God's Spirit as expressions of the same Holy Spirit, whether they're visible or not. Like I said, there's no point in us comparing and being like, oh, I want the visible gifts. That doesn't get us anywhere. And it's really important for us to remember that whether the gifts are visible or not, they're expressions of the same spirit, and they have a place. Man, the most important parts of your body, you never see those. If you are seeing your brain, something really wrong is happening, okay? (laughs) Really wrong. If you're looking at your intestines, you got a problem, you know? And the, I'm telling you that the vital parts of the church are not the ones you see on Sunday. I mean, maybe you see it when you're out there praying for each other. That's the lifeblood of the church. People that sit in their room and pray for the church as a vital expression of the Holy Spirit if you do that, if you pray for this church, if you pray for us as leaders, I just, I honor you today. You know who you are. But you need to hear it. It's important. It's just as important as any other gift being in operation. There's just no place for, there's no place for pride. Because pride Well, really, the insecurity I talked about in comparison and pride, they're just two sides of the same coin. The more pride you have, the more insecure you become. Maybe the more insecure you are, the more you might try to cover it up with pride, but it's all the same, and it's not what God wants for us. It's it's freedom for us to be able to play in the gifts we've been given without having to 
think that we somehow created it or earned it ourselves. That's freedom. It's the freedom that God wants you to walk in. You guys seeing how like the parts of the body all playing together? Is it does that start to like come together and make more sense? The hands, the feet working together. I like that uh, the idea of giving special honor to people that wouldn't be honorable. You guys know we put on a dance for special needs folks at our church. This is really cool to honor them like that. I don't feel like that's a thing that happens a lot of times. You know, if a disabled person believes in Jesus, they have the same Holy Spirit you have, right? You might get ministered to in a way that you don't even see it coming. It'll just maybe smack you across the... As we uh, finish up the verses that we have today, um, where was I? I was halfway through verse 24. So our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Hmm. So all the parts have what? Equal concern for the show, the mission, the... No, all the parts have equal concern for each other. That's where the body of Christ grows. When the hands are taking care of the feet, when the eyes are like, hey, watch out for that, you'll stub your toe. All the parts take care of each other. People that intercede take care of us in ways that we don't understand. Pastors see things in the life and say, hey, that's going to hurt you. Watch out. We all have gifts, and we, when we're walking in them, we don't just like add a little bit to the thing. We like multiply and release and ignite gifts in other people. You guys get that? If one of us suffers... And we think of suffering, and it's true that this applies to like pain and the bad things that happen in your life, but if you're not walking in your God-given purpose and calling, you're suffering. You guys know that? You might not even feel it. Because that sort of silent suffering, I think, is the devil's favorite in our time. He presents us with things upon things that we can use to numb out our heart, dull the voice of our, the Holy Spirit in our heart speaking, so that we just have an unspoken ache in our heart and we don't even understand what it means anymore. It's the Holy Spirit in there trying to get out. And I, I don't know if you feel that burning in you, but if you quiet it down, you might start. And then you'll have to do something with it. Is it a new idea for you guys to think about not walking in your full purpose as a suffering? 
and not just as a suffering that hurts you, but that it actually is a damage to the body. When one part suffers, every part suffers. When I had an abscess in my tooth, I just thought my whole body was going downhill. I had a tooth that hurt up here. I thought this tooth hurt, but the pain was just like wrapping around and going up into my head. You, if you've ever experienced anything like that, you know that when you have pain in one part of your body, the whole thing is suffering. It's silly to think that it would be any other way in the church. And when, when one part of our body is hurting, not able to walk out the true like calling in life that God has for him, that ends up bringing all of us down. It's not so much, well, I mean, everyone gets to play, like Phil was saying, it's a great thing. But really, it comes down to we need everyone to play. And if you, man, if you've been on the sidelines, I challenge you, we need your gifting. I don't even know what it is, but we need it. And sometimes that takes risk. It's easier to watch. It's easier to let, you know, the people you think are gifted do it. But you're gifted. It said so right here. It's, it's in there. There really is no place for spectating in God's kingdom. It's meant to be lived and walked. As I finish, let me just tell you guys a story that I heard recently that just illustrates this so much. A friend of mine was out on a road trip with some new friends, and he, they were at a restaurant together, like Chipotle or something, and he saw a guy walk into the restaurant that he didn't know, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, God told him, you needed to pray for that guy. Um, and that was it. That was all God told him about it. So he turned to the girl next to him. He's like, I think we're supposed to pray for that guy. And she was like, oh, yeah, that would be good. And then she was telling somebody across the table. And they were like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And then their food came, you know. <laughs> so that's distracting. I mean, I'm not going to judge. If anybody knows me, food, <laughs> food arrives and a lot of things go right out of the mind. So anyway, they finished eating. They still hadn't prayed for the guy, Okay. And the people, they were starting, their friends were all starting to leave. My buddy Dylan, he was like, no, I can't leave without trying to, at least trying to talk to this guy. You know, he, he was like, I don't know what to say to him, but I just have to go up and talk to him. And so he went up and he was just encouraging the guy and he was blessing him in the Lord and stuff. And the guy was nice, I guess, and receptive. But it didn't seem like anything was really happening. He was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. And just thank you. And, and like my friend, was, he was getting disappointed. But then that girl that he had mentioned it to right when the guy walked in came up. And she was like, she said, to the, she just walked right up to the guy and she said, hey, do you have problems with your knee? Because God has showed her something. And he was like, yeah. She was like, it's the left one, right? He was like, uh-huh. And so this guy's knee had been hurting for a long time. So now they had his attention. And then the other guy across the table that she had told, he realized what was happening. He was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're doing this. And he came up, laid his hand on the guy's knee, and prayed for him. The guy received healing right there. His knee, was, he was like, no, it, uh, like, it feels better. Isn't that cool? <laughs> you guys see where I'm going with that? 
What happens if the one person that God speaks to and says, you need to pray for that guy, what if he doesn't do it? Man, then there's two other people with this gifting that's waiting to be released and it doesn't happen. Not only that, this guy who needs to meet Jesus and experience his love doesn't experience it. It's crazy. And the thing about it is, it's funny, is like God didn't even tell my friend what to say. He tried his best and he just kind of missed it. But it didn't matter because what he did by being obedient, starting to walk in his true calling, released two other people to express the gifting that they have. It allowed them to play. So if everybody gets to play, everybody gets to play by, it just starts with you playing in your gift. You don't even know what you're going to release from other people. I mean, I don't think Dylan had any idea, but it was just unbelievable. Just his obedience released a prophetic word and a healing that were gifts in other people that God had in the room. God has strategically deployed us to the places where we are. Do you guys ever think of that? The circles that you walk in, God has placed you there as a kingdom light. And you get to play. 